0: 32 helmets line a wall at Hallis Hall, displaying all of the NFL's teams and all of the Bears' rivals. Heading into this past Sunday's game against Green Bay, all of the helmets remained except for one, the Packers' helmet. In the NFL's oldest rivalry, the disdain between the Bears and Packers stretches back a long time. And as the rivalry has progressed, dominance has fluctuated. However, over the last 10 to 15 years, the Packers have dominated. With the Bears vying for a 2020 playoff spot, would they be able to avoid a season sweep and make the playoffs? Tune in and subscribe to find out. The Bears squeaked into the playoffs this past Sunday by a loss by the Arizona Cardinals getting them into the number seven position of the playoffs in the NFL's expanded playoff this year, um, the most 2020 thing ever. And Drew, I think we, we saw a lot of positives and we saw some things the Bears need to improve on, but what jumped out at you most in this in the game this past Sunday against the Packers?
1: Well, first got to give you credit, David. I didn't think the Bears would make the playoffs for about 10 weeks now, and for some reason they made the playoffs. I thought that the uh, Cardinals would win. They lost, and now the Bears are in, in wild-card weekend. And so what jumped out at me the most, I think, was just the uh, kind of lack of a um, cohesive pass game scheme. I don't think the pass game for the Bears was bad. I think it was good, and I think Mitch made a lot of great decisions. And honestly, I thought he really showed that growth that Matt Nagy touts in his interviews. But the problem was the ceiling was brought so low by the scheme and by the scheme i mean when they're designing route combos it seems like they're just randomly combining routes even though they knew essentially what coverage they were getting from the packers and so like when i see an empty set from the bears and then you see basically a hitch Avert other than like two slants on the back side. Well in an empty concept You're never going to get numbers if you're just the one route that you're running is going to be covered by the safety already Basically, mm-hmm. and then all the other guys underneath are manned up. So you're going to have One-on-one short like those type of examples is what concerned me. That's what I saw and then on top of that I think that the defense I don't know what's going on with the defense. Like uh, it, you can't have a team that basically relies on one guy who deserved to make the pro bowl and Roquan Smith being the key stone in your defense. You can't have that. And I think Danny Trevathan played a great game. He did. He made and, some really and,
0: nice and, tackles for and, sure.
1: And, Here's the thing. He was in, It's essentially losing Aaron Rodgers for the Bears, because the Bears defense is the better side of the ball, arguably. At least they spent a lot more money on the defense. And so if you had lost Aaron Rodgers and had like his backup come in relief in the way that Danny Trevathan played in and relieved Roquan, you'd be saying, wow, that guy played great. So I think he, he played really well. I think he may have had the most tackles for the Bears, even though – Four of them were assists and four were solo. I think he had eight. I think he had the most.
0: He's consistent with that eight tackles a game. He's insane how good he is.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, even though Danny Trevathan played amazing, they really needed Roquan out there because when you saw Josh Woods in coverage, even in zone, like Roquan is a good one-on-one guy. He can chase down guys. But when you have a superior athlete, it just expands the amount of field that they can cover, and I think we saw that, like, Josh Woods coming in for Danny Trevathan when they went to two linebacker sets, um, two inside linebacker sets, they definitely lost something in the amount of space that they could cover. And uh, it, it's just disappointing to see that the team schemed it up to a point where when you lose Roquan, basically you had no chance against Rodgers.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, prior to the game, um, I know Aaron Rodgers spoke really highly of Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. He, he complimented them. Just about their abilities. I know he was backtracking and saying, you know, when Roquan initially got into the league, he was kind of relieved that the contract negotiations were taking so long because he didn't want to have to deal with another ferocious linebacker on the Bears roster. And then you got Trevathan, who has always been known as a solid, consistent, good tackler and always is in the right position. You know, I, I think the Bears' defense played pretty well, um, all things considered. I mean, they are going up against the presumptive MVP of the 2020 season, and Aaron Rodgers, and the way he gets rid of the ball is just unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, like you said, Drew, I, I think the offense. You know, prior to our like our discussion now, like the offense played pretty well all things considered and Trubisky made pretty good decisions um, except for that one forced interception that you disagreed on when we talked about it over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I got to push back on that. I mean, if you look at the way that the Packers were playing and the way that they designed the route combos, they had, I think it was Javon Wims and Cole Comet on the side that the primary read was on. And then they had Anthony Miller and, um, Allen Robinson on the second side, right? And so they didn't have numbers. They were double covering Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson did like a deep in and kind of stopped his route. He didn't even carry into the middle of the defense. So you, so that kind of tells me that the primary read, or at least whatever the coaches wanted to look for, was going to be Komet, right? And Allen Robinson, or Anthony Miller, excuse me, ran a like quick slant or some sort of like hitch, a very short, shallow route. It was totally covered all the way on the second side. So what you're asking then is you got Javon Wims running about like a, a shallow in as well, and then you have Cole Kmet going down. And the Packers double-covered almost every deep throughout the entire game. I think the only time that the Bears had them was when Darnell Mooney essentially got single coverage and a cover-three look, and Mitch correctly read the defense and hit Darnell for that yeah. 53-yard yeah, game. Yeah, so 53 you're yards. So when are talking about a team that's down 12 points because – they could have been down two points, but they went for fourth and one on a poorly designed play earlier. So now you're talking about a team down twelve points with three and a half minutes to go. I mean, I'm gonna take a shot, and you know I, that's what the play was designed to do was to take that shot to commit. And honestly, I think it kind of showed that he is a younger player because I think like maybe if you had a guy like Travis Kelsey, who yeah, of course he's one possibly the best tight end of all time, but you know that he's gonna bend his route into more of that kind of like. Banana uh, shaped route where it bends into the center of the defense because he understands that he's getting it that double covered and needs to work to the middle of that two shell seam.
0: Right. And it's to like, get, that get that leverage, right, right.
1: You don't get that leverage from Komet yet. So I do not blame Mitch because I think from everything you saw on the way that the game in the fourth quarter was playing out, you knew you were going to have to take shots. And also, the entire game, Mitch made the right decisions, and it was clear, like, even sometimes you'd see Allen Robinson was open on the secondary read side, but the thing was, on plays like that, they were scheming commit open. It was an automatic play because you could tell that players like Javon Wimps and Anthony Miller weren't even running real routes. They were running, like, block pick routes. You know, mm-hmm. like, there are various plays where, yes, it looked like a guy deep for downfield was open, but that wasn't what the coaches wanted Mitch to do. He did exactly what was asked of them, and it just wasn't enough. Yeah,
0: and, you know, Trubisky finished the day with pretty decent stats. I mean, he was 33 for 42 for 252 yards. As you said, he hit, he made a lot of correct reads. And what I see, you know, based off of the receiving chart, he spread the ball around really well to a lot of different people. I know a focal point for the Bears has been getting Cole, rookie Cole Komet involved, and he's had a nice game. I think he ended the game actually with like nine receptions. No, excuse me, seven and then Mooney had 11 receptions, and you, you highlighted the 53-yard pass um, that he threw in cover three, which was an awesome play. And that's just a glimpse of what the Bears' offense can do when it's running on all cylinders, which is super exciting. I mean, the Bears have home run hitters in terms of offensive weapons. And people forget, Tariq Cohen has been out for a majority of the season, so they're missing a key guy on their offense to give them another ability to stretch the field. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, A-Rob didn't produce or get as many uh, throws his way. And I think that's just based off how the Packers played him. I think it was cover two shell, you know, and that's just how they, the you know, how they played him. So uh, I think opponents know when they play the Bears that A-Rob is their number one receiver. And uh, regardless of how well they play him, he'll, he will get receptions. But I think the Packers did a good job of keeping him under control.
1: Yeah, they clearly took away A-Rob in this game, but, you know, I was thinking about that, and I kind of think that for most of the game, that made sense, that the Bears would take those shallow routes, because if you want to get those explosive plays like Darnell Mooney had, yeah, it's great, but you need to execute in the red zone, and I say that because of this the game plan clearly was to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. Time of possession is key against Rodgers. And so if you're going to get those chunk plays, we've seen it in the past with this Bears team, you're going to eat into your time of possession stat, right? And so it's almost like sometimes, and this is clear from the decisions Mitch was making, you just want to get that first down because you want to have those long 14-play drives, right? Because that's the only time to have a chance against Rodgers. Now, the counterpoint is they didn't execute in the red zone but I would argue that that wasn't entirely the player's fault. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, again, we, we've kind of poked, I, I poke fingers at Trubisky for his reads and then you poke fingers at Nagy and the coaches for play design. I mean, it's one of those things where as a, as a viewer watching the TV on, or watching the game on TV, you don't get the full picture and just being able to read the field. And obviously um the course of a play it happens so fast and typically a quarterback you know especially in high school and college you get five seconds to get rid of the ball but in the NFL it's like three and a half seconds so they're having to make quick decisions with running backs that are are excuse me uh cornerbacks that are freakishly fast and can cover the field like you wouldn't believe um so yeah I I, I'm curious I, I to be quite honest with you, I, I think Trubisky truly has grown over the you know the time frame. He's gotten a start for his, in his second stint. Um but yeah, I think the Bears are showing a lot of growth, even though they lost. And I think Sunday's game against the Saints will be closer than a lot of folks will think.
1: I, I do think it'll be close, but I I just can't throw my support behind the Bears in this one and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves but you made the point about the time that the quarterback has in the NFL and and another point I mean Mitch had more yards than Rodgers right
0: yeah and (laughs) another thing that people forget is the time of possession the Bears were absolutely dominating the time of possession in the first half was which is what you have to do you got to limit the possessions against the Packers and explosive offenses and I think that the game plan was great I just think it goes back to they need to punch in touchdowns like Nagy says instead of kick field goals
1: well well, yeah well to finish my point Mitch had time and he made the correct reads in this game okay because I mean there he got sacked once
0: yeah yeah I mean it wasn't a lot so
1: and so, like, I think there was maybe one time when I think like it was Cole Komet downfield on the play action rollout where he was on the opposite side of the field, open for like a forty yard gain. I thought that maybe that's uh, the way they scheme it up, where they don't want him throwing across his body. But I mean, for the most part, Mitch played well. But when we're talking about the red zone, I, I really wanted to bring this up because I thought this is interesting. Do you remember back when the Bears played the Packers the first time, and we were kind of baffled at Chuck Pagano dropping eight in the red zone against Rodgers, and then the Bears players were not able to cover cover their zones. And so we were kind of baffled, like, why would you drop eight in the red zone against Rodgers? Rodgers didn't get touched at all the whole game, and the Bears lost, and it was not a good time. Mm -hmm. Well, against the Bears in the red zone, the Packers dropped eight and kind of put on a clinic on how you execute on defense with your DVs effectively, kind of in that Patriots way. And I just thought it was interesting because it gives you a glimpse at what the play design for the Bears actually was. Because on that play in the red zone, Packers drop eight. And then Mitch ends up having two players on a primary read side that are the only real two options where it's like a fade in and out. And that was the play, if you recall, everybody thought that the Packers should have intercepted it. Mm -hmm. Well, on the other side, you had three hitches the shallow shallow in the end zone that was completely covered. While well, well, then you watch what the Packers do is they have a lot of really long routes. They don't settle on routes. And if they do settle on routes, it manipulates the coverage for the guys who don't settle on routes. So they have those, like we saw Robert Kiney do those long crossing routes where when you have those working together with guys who are settling routes like a short hitch or like a pop pass, it creates a lot of pressure on the defense. But what I think we saw was a lot of like, it's almost like the Bears are scheming up for man to man, but the Packers ran zone all the way the whole game.
0: Yeah, I mean, that could be the disconnect uh, for sure. I, I think, um, obviously, you said Trubisky made pretty sound decisions with um, throwing the ball. And he, other than that one turnover, I thought he played pretty well. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where, I don't know if the short passing game is to set up the, the running game, but they've just done a better job. I mean, this is the first week that David Montgomery got break, you know, didn't have the breakout games that he's been having. and um, a lot of that positive those positive games were because of the offensive line. And as you said, the offensive line played pretty well, in my opinion. So it's, that poses another question because the O line played well in protecting Mitch, and, um, you know, the Bears were competitive for at least, I'd say, you know, three fourths of the game. How, why was Montgomery not able to break through this week? Well, I think that the
1: Bears were viewing the short passing game like runs. And I, I say that because I think the whole game plan was clock management. And uh, there's, there's kind of, two thoughts I have on this whole aspect and two reasons why I think the bears lost this game and it kind of falls under the umbrella of they're not better than the Packers. And so mm-hmm. when you're better than you, have a team that's better than you. You have to hope that they don't play their best game and you have to hope you play your best game. That's just like kind of football theory. That's how you win against teams that you're outmatched by. And so usually when that happens, that's when you rely on the coaches and the critical decision-making to manipulate the game into where you have a chance. And so I, I kind of want to come back to that idea of, like, the Bears were, like, scheming up a man offense passing attack while the Packers were running zone. And then on top of that, they they didn't make um, the right decisions at various points. Like, not kicking on that fourth and one when you're in field goal range. Listen, I understand going on, for on fourth and one before when you're kind of out of field goal range. But once you're in there and you're at fourth and one on like the twenty-five, kick yeah. the field goal. Are you
0: talking about that stretch eight. read play, Drew, where Trubisky did that like s- stretch draw? They like shifted the O line; they were blocking to the right, and he was trying was trying to create like a cutback lane for Trubisky because they had gone for it, I think two or three times on fourth down that drive. Four and one where it was a, I-, I believe Jimmy Graham was out wide
1: and Allen Robinson was in the slot, and he did the out, and then Jimmy Graham did like a wheel. Mm -hmm. That is where I thought they should have kicked that field goal. But here's the reason I say that. Because on the ensuing drive, when you're up by five points, the Packers essentially have their whole playbook to play on that drive. Because you know that your defense can still run the same game plan they ran, where you just give it up underneath. Which is clearly what they wanted to do, because they were in two and three shell the whole game very deep. And so it's like, you could have cons- constrained their playbook, helping your defense by making it a two-point game. But going back to my um, first point, when you have players like Jabon Wims, who is having to run off safeties, in the, like you're never going to win. Because these safeties play better than our receivers. Like We were relying on man-to-man matchups for the receivers. And then we're allowing AROP to get doubled it just it didn't seem like a very good scheme to get guys open. Now, there were times when they would scheme guys open like Matt, and that was fine, that was all well and good, but it's like it seemed like they were relying on beating one-to-one matchups the whole game, which I don't think is a sound football strategy for beating a team that's better than you. You need to use zone concepts, whether it's in the passing game, running game, uh, defense, that's just how you beat a team that's better than you. Because when some player athletically is superior to you, you're never going to beat them one yeah, on one. One on
0: one or man defense. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the Bears played as well as they could have against the Packers. Um, as you said, the Packers are much better uh, at this point um, in the year and just as a team right now. Um, but there were a lot of bright spots. I think the defense also played well for the Bears. All things considered, they were going against the, the presumptive MVP um the bears did finish the regular season with the fifth best red zone defense um in the league which is not that bad when they started as the first um you know a couple games into the season so i think there's a lot of positives to draw on and there's a lot of good solid pieces on the whole team um i think now it's just a matter of putting it all together and being more consistent um and i know you didn't necessarily like how Pagano was playing his defense this week. Is that right, Drew?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that's just like – he was dealt a hard hand. He had some key injuries that are kind of depleted. But on yeah. the whole, I thought a lot of the guys
0: who filled in played well. Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor played well, in my opinion, yes, right? They,
1: they did. But the, the players – players are partially to blame because they needed to make plays and capitalize off of them when Rodgers gave them opportunities. And, you know, Barcadius Mingo, like, that's a hard pick to execute when you are dropping at the last minute and it's like a screen or a check down pass. That's hard. But I thought Kendall Vildor, he had to make that grab. But he played a good game on the whole. Yeah. And then Eddie Jackson made that pick like a thousand times. I just don't know. Yeah, dude. a weird, weird footing. But I, I just, yeah, I, I thought – I don't agree with what other analysts were saying about like kind of making fun of running Tampa, too, and having Danny Trevathan up against the number three receiver. I mean, I'll take yeah. that
0: matchup any day. I mean, he was but, running with them on that seam route. Is that what you're talking about, Drew? Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's a good team, and I think if Roquan was running that, it's covered all day. There's no way they can. Yeah, Roquan's, like, Roquan's so damn Roquan fast, man. He can run with a number three. Maybe not Devontae Adams, but he can
1: certainly run with, was that Valdez Scantling? I think it was, it was. I think it was, it was either bizarre. Valdez,
0: uh, Scantlin, or um, Tanyan, Robert Tanyan.
1: I, th- I think it was Valdez Scantlin. Okay, um, but I, I take I take Roquan running with him.
0: Um, yeah, it's your boy, so I, I Roquan.
1: I don't agree with that critique, but I, I just think that, like, on the whole, it seemed a, a little bit like the Bears were. Uh, I hate to ground this back into another like football theory thing, but it's almost like they were trying to cover the whole field. And in that way they were leaving parts of the field open. And so what I mean by that is when you try to cover the whole field, that means you're going to have a lot of man-to-man matchups. And so that means that there's the high possibility of defenders vacating space. And so then that can put a lot of stress on the other man-to-man matchups. And so In the other theory of not covering the whole field, very much of what the Packers did to the Bears, they gave up those five, six-yard plays. And and so it's almost like a boom-bust strategy where, yeah, you can cover the whole field, but when they burn you, they're going to burn you. Well, the Mm -hmm. Bears didn't get burned a lot very deep. They got burned on that long, like, 73-yarder, but for the most part, they didn't get killed. But what people don't realize is these crossing routes are essentially 50-yard pass plays. They're mm-hmm. just going horizontally. And so when you're running man-to-man, I think it's kind of a genius strategy by LaFleur that these crossing routes, are they're easy to win on. Even if you're not getting 20, 30 yards, you're still going to win on the hole. So that's kind of the theory of the of, or the approach that the Bears defense took that I didn't quite like.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm yeah I mean again, they had it they're going against the League MVP and uh, they have Packers have a squad of really good receivers, especially with Devonte Adams, so really good, really good. So um we'll see what happens. but you know the Bears did make it into the playoffs in the NFL's expanded form, like I said earlier um they're they're going up against New Orleans Saints, and there's a lot of differences in the game they previously played coming into this game. Uh, for instance, the Saints were without um, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees at quarterback. They had Taysom Hill takeover. Uh, they also, the Saints were without um, Michael um, Thomas uh, at receiver, their number one receiver, and arguably the NFL's best receiver. And um, the Bears are also with Nick Foles at the time. So this is going to be an interesting matchup because. I, you know, the Bears played the Saints tough. They they lost 26-23 to 23 in an overtime game, and, I, you know, it, it it was a cold game. We, they were in the Chicago conditions, but they'll be in the Dome down in New Orleans, and I, I think this will be another close game. Um, while the Saints might win the roster matchups, I think the Bears have been playing really hard, and they have a lot of momentum going in.
1: I think that there are some favorable matchups in this game. I think that Mitch being in there is a – Major plus to the Bears against this uh, Saints team. I also think that uh, honestly, like the defense is going to have a much easier time. I mean, I, this might be obvious playing the Saints than they had playing the Packers, just in the sense of like you're not going to. Ha- Hopefully, Jalen Johnson is healthy and is back. But even if Kendall Vildor is out there, I think this is a game where they can potentially not have Kyle Fuller moving all over the field to cover Adams, mm-hmm. right? So I think that indicates, yeah, that means you are going to have favorable matchups. So that and then the question about what is the Saints running game going to look like? And now, obviously, Sean Payton is good at scheming up different creative runs. Um, But this running backs room has been dealing with, I don't know if it was COVID protocol or in addition to other injuries. But it's going to be a major question going to the game. So, yeah, I, I would agree. They have some favorable matchups. And the other thing, too. Now, if the Bears win, they're going to face the Packers, right, in the divisional round? Yep,
0: the so Packers have the first round by. They secured it this past Sunday. And So the Bears
1: have not won against the Saints or the Packers, and those are your first potential two opponents in the playoffs. And anyone who's played football knows it's hard to beat a good team once. It's hard to beat a good team twice. And on top of that, it's hard to beat a good team thrice. <laughs> <laughs> but – the question is, are the Bears a good team? We don't know yet. We'll have to see this weekend.
0: I mean, the record says that they're average. They're, they finished the season eight and eight. So Nagy started off with a twelve and four, eight and eight, and then another eight and eight season. So he has a winning record right now during his tenure with the Bears. So, and he did get them in the playoffs. The Bears could have easily quit after losing six consecutive games. Right now, the, the only thing that matters is the Bears are in the playoffs they have, I think a decent matchup and a decent chance against the saints. It will be interesting if looking ahead and the bears are able to beat the saints, they would be paired up with the Packers again. And the Packers look like they were just toying with the bears at some times. I think that there are moments where, you know, Rodgers usually is pretty like pretty, you know, non, not very emotional on the football field, but he was smiling a lot and looking like he was just having a good time against the bears. And He knew where all the reads were, and he wasn't in a hurry necessarily to throw it. But I don't know. Going into the Saints game, I I think it will be interesting.
1: I don't know. I think there were times during that game that Rodgers didn't look quite Rodgers. I mean, like, the pass rush did clearly get to him at various points. I mean, whether or not they were getting sacks, they clearly disrupted multiple drives in that third quarter. And also those very uncharacteristic Rodgers throws where they were potentially picks. That was not very Rodgers-esque. So I think I would argue, yes, on the whole, he did maybe toy with the Bears. But I would kind of push back and maybe say that, you know, for a brief point, Rodgers didn't look as comfortable as Rodgers usually looks against the Bears. Yeah,
0: and I think it's important to note that all-pro offensive lineman David Bakhtiari was um, injured this past week and are on the injured list. So um, Rodgers was without his best offensive lineman protecting him. Um, so that's a key thing to think about. But, you know, the Bears focuses on the Saints. It's one game at a time. They go with a, a 0 and 0 record right now going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're going to take the Bears this week.
0: You know, I, I think uh, it will be another one of those close games, kind of very reminiscent of the Bears' game against the Saints earlier in the season. I think it will be a 31. 20 kind of game uh, in favor of the saints. I think the bears will play really well and come out and play their best. But when you get your, you know, future hall of famer back being drew Brees, and you get Michael Thomas back, and then you got Alvin Kamara as running back. That's a pretty tough undertaking. Plus the saints, I believe are in like the top five of rushing defense. So the bears are really, really going to have to produce and execute on the passing game. And it's going back to what we talked about earlier in terms of needing to be good on the passing game to set up the run.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to take the Saints this week. I'm not going to take the Bears this week. Um, I just I, – I don't think that it's going to happen. You know, they're going to need to make all the right decisions on the coaching staff during the game, and I just don't think that's going to happen. So I think the Saints are – you made a good point about their rushing defense, and I don't even know, like – if that's necessarily what I'm worried about. Like, I don't think the Bears need the pass to set up the run. I think they need to manage the decision making on the sideline against Sean Payton. It, I mean, this Sean Payton. Less people for less people forget was the guy who opened up a Super Bowl second half with an onside kick and essentially won the game because of that. Mm-hmm. This guy is gutsy, but he's also smart, mm-hmm. and so I, I think. It's just hard to see the Bears coming away with this because I think if it's the same type of chess match that we saw last week, one wrong move can lose you the game. And so I just I don't have faith in the Bears making those right decisions. Even the and the major question is whether or not Roquan's going to be healthy. Because I think if Roquan's not healthy, forget it. I don't think they have a chance at winning this game. So I'm going to take the Saints, and hopefully I'm wrong because I would love. I love getting more Bears football every year. Um, I would rather have them play on Wild Card Weekend to get an extra game of Bears football than have them the number one seed. Even though I'm a firm believer that the number one seed is how you win a Super Bowl. Um, but yes, that's I'm a selfish fan. I'd rather see them on Wild Card Weekend, but I gotta take the Saints in this one. And I have the Saints 23, Bears 13.